Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kryle and joining me today we have Paul Chalk, Jamie Durant and Sean Wallace. Although Jamie isn't quite here yet but he will be, I assure you. But Sean, Paul, how are we guys? Good Ryan, okay, thank you. Thanks. Okay, today we'll be discussing Aberdeen's uh, snatching a draw from the jaws of victory at... Ross County, I think that's how we would put it. Obviously, we'll give the Ross County um, angle on that as well. There's Inverness's somewhat, I suppose, unexpectedly comfortable win against Wraith Rovers, given the, the run they'd been on. We've got Cove Rangers picking up their first point. I think it was their first point in five games at the weekend uh, against Hamilton. Peterhead, it was another loss for them. And Elgin City as well, they got their first league win of the season in League 2, but yes, the Dons, let's discuss them, they've got a massive game this weekend coming up, playing Rangers for the first time this season, beleaguered Rangers, we should call them, (laughs) but against Ross County at the weekend, they dominated, they had loads of opportunities to get the ball into the box, I think we could perhaps criticise the quality of those deliveries throughout the game, and then yes, getting themselves in front through the Dukes' wonder goal, they then uh, conceded through pretty soft defending allowing William Accio to equalise very late in the game. So late in the game it might only have still been going because of the pitch invasion, perhaps. <laughs> Some have suggested that the Dons fans engaged him when they scored. But Sean, what was your take on the yeah, game at County? I mean, I thought Aberdeen had won it. <laughs> and then <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not really sure they deserve to win this game. I mean, they had so much possession and, I mean... <laughs> But it just seemed to break down in the final third. That, fi- that tell and pass just wasn't there. And I mean, Bojan Majowski is clearly a goal scorer, but he's not going to score goals if he doesn't get the service. And that was lacking until Duke came up with that absolute moment of magic. I mean, what a, what a fantastic goal. I mean, some people have said it bounced easy for them. I think I was doing them a major misservice. I mean... <laughs> You've still got yeah, to spin and hit the bicycle kick like six feet in the air or whatever it up as well. I, th- I mean, as the 88th minute, you should be able to hold on. <laughs> so edging into injury time to a lead that you possibly didn't deserve to have. And the defending was just woeful from that long throwing. I mean, it just there was a mad scramble in the box and it should have been cleared. And then William Arceo quickest to the act, bangs it in and that's it throwing away two points needlessly and you wonder how how important is that two blown points potentially going to be later on down the season it was just disastrous for Aberdeen yeah. and I mean Jim Goodwood and was, he looked so disappointed to have thrown away that win yeah, it's your classic amateur football, everyone after you score the goal giving it the fingers to the temple focus for the next couple of minutes but obviously yeah Obviously, it didn't happen. In terms of the attacking, first of all, um, that is something, I suppose, over the last few years we've labelled label the Dons with a few times. The ability to dominate games but continue to maybe go down the wrong avenue in terms of how they're trying to get the ball into the box to the front men. Was it, was, was it just... Was it, High crosses, high crosses, high crosses with no real... I think it was 13 corners, wasn't it? And one one or two reached an Aberdeen player? 13 corners and it yielded just one 
one real opportunity, which was a glancing header from Ross McCrory that went sort of flashed across the face of goal. I mean, from dead ball situations like corners, you should be making that count, especially if you've got 13 of them. You should always be getting like efforts on target. But I just think it was just something lacking in that final third. It was a telling pass. I mean, we were breaking down. Crosses were either too short or too long or too high. It was just, it was so frustrating to watch. And it must have been like infuriating for Aberdeen fans. How um how do they deal with this early season softness under the high ball themselves? They seem to be seem to be a little bit suspect at crosses. Would that be safe to say? Uh, certainly, would be in the last two games. I mean, they've conceded late on. Yeah, again, I mean, they, they were struggling against Annan in the cup tie. I mean, it was such a tight pitch, an artificial surface. They couldn't play any form of expansive football and that it was so tight and they managed to orchestrate a late goal but again they couldn't hold on to it came from a corner couldn't couldn't clear the high ball from the corner and yet again against uh, Ross County I think it just needs to be a bit more aggression with the high ball yeah, and, yeah taking, Take, charge. taking charge okay well I mean I've seen a lot of people say that the disappointing is the maybe the performances in the last couple of games have been, um, they're still in a pretty decent spot at this stage of the season. They've beat Rangers this weekend, big if of course, but they could go second. They're you know they're through in the League Cup, and that's the the main thing. So we maybe won't be too harsh on them at this point. Uh, on Duke, amazing goal as we've said, but sounded from Jim Goodwin's quotes after the game, that he's still very much in the mind that. He's going to be playing one striker, and that striker is going to be Boya Mujovski, probably fairly. I think he's scored seven goals, hasn't he, so far already. Um, do you think the Duke might have to be content all season long with this kind of super sub role and just trying to make an impact that way? I'd, I can't see, if he continues the form that he's got, I can't see how he can be content with being a super sub. I mean, he's made an impact in the last few games he's came on. I mean, he's scored off the bench in two successive games. I mean, that, that goal against Ross County, that was just absolutely phenomenal. phenomenal. <laughs> Tongue-tied. Phenomenal goal. I mean, he's got to be chopping on the door for that start. I mean, could he play Majowski and Duke together? I don't know. Why not? Let's have a real go. I mean, obviously it would be a change well, in formation, but... Well, I suppose this... Well, is, is this weekend the opportunity? I know, I know <laughs> playing two strikers in the game against Rangers, given the other opponents who haven't played two up top, or they haven't played two up top against, might be um, slightly uh, unlikely. But Leighton Clarkson's obviously now going to miss two games, and he's been playing the 10 from midfield. That maybe frees up a spot for a slight change of shape, maybe, do you think? Or unlikely? I don't know. I mean, why not? I mean, the Rangers are there for the taking. I genuinely believe that. I mean, conceded four goals in the last two games. There'll be the argument that the Rangers, oh, they'll be desperate, they'll be bounced back, they'll be hurting, all that. But I mean, they've just conceded eight goals in two games and they're conceding very early on. They conceded eighth minute against Celtic, the 17th minute against Ajax. And even go back to the games before that against Queen of the South, they conceded to League One Queen of the South in the 17th minute. 
they're leaking goals very early on. So why not have a go at them? Why not put in Duke and go for a wee shuffle of formation? Because Clarkson's going to be out. I mean, Duke's fast. He's aggressive. He gets in behind. I mean, that is what Rangers are struggling to cope with at the moment. So, yeah, I can't see why it couldn't work. Yeah, I was going to say, I think um, if, if that is their, still their defensive partnership, uh, James Sands is it, and Connor Goldson, they've looked reasonably shaky in the games I've seen them. And I think Celtic showed that if you play fast, you play aggressive, then you can get your rewards. Uh, just on Leighton Clarkson, the Dons accepted a two-game ban for him. I, I know sometimes teams accept it because, you know, if you decide you're going to appeal it, it can end up being worse for you but do you think they accepted it because they maybe recognised that it wasn't a great challenge I certainly didn't think it was a great challenge when you especially when you've seen it slowed down it was a I, I know it's one of those where he probably sees the ball going past him and he sticks the leg out just as much as he can to try and get in the way of it but it obviously ends up with the foot hits the county player pretty high up the leg I'll, I'll be honest in the sort of cut and thrust to the, the game time actually watching it I thought it was a mistimed challenge, but not a red card. But then when I looked at it, the footage after is a state red for me. No argument. And he gets the ball back from Hayden Coulson and loses control of it. Then sort of races forward, tries to get the ball. But I mean, he's, it's a high challenge with the studs showing. And he clearly goes into Calm Johnson's shin. I mean, I, I don't think I was, there was no malice in the challenge. I just think it was badly timed and rash and a state red. And it's a lesson that we've learnt from. I mean, he's, he's still a young player. It was just a bit of, uh, just a, a rash moment of madness. Over-eagerness. Yes, over-eagerness is the perfect way to describe it. No malice, just over-eager. Chalky, on the other side of things, it must have felt like a win for Ross County to dig out that cliche. Yeah, and the thing about County is just the, the number of times under Malky McKay that they, they do come back and and dig it out. You know, the Ross County regrouped very quickly. They, they didn't have time to do anything other than that. With, with As Sean says, it was a terrific goal, first-class goal uh, from start to finish. You know, Johnny Hayes' partner, um, you know, was picked out by the, the management as well, the way he burst forward. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they they got their heads together. They they refused to accept that they were going to lose that game because they, uh, I agree with Sean. I don't think they they deserved to. I think the Dons had the the edge in the in the match. But um, you know there weren't a lot of clear cut cut opportunities that burst into life in those final uh, five moments from uh, five minutes from eighty eight minutes onwards. So it was. Um, Again, Yakaviti uh, has been scoring uh, against Celtic, um, and he he was in in the mix. But uh, William Akio, we gave big coverage last week. The fact he was available, we spoke to Don Cowie, the assistant manager, last week. He said that he's uh, the striker after having a knee injury that he got in his debut in the seven 0 win over East Fife was desperate to come come back in and make an impact and he certainly did you know the Dons didn't defend well and he, he was there in the right place at the right time to, to slot at home and it was a big big point for County because they've got a difficult game coming up against Motherwell and they really need to start banking points and it was vital that they didn't lose that given the efforts that they put into it Yeah quite a Lazarus like recovery uh, from William Accio following the torn meniscus he suffered on his his debut, he looks like a pretty powerful player I'd suggest, so yeah, as you said, Motherwell 
coming up, St Johnston afterwards to close out September. I mean, all games are tough, but I mean they look winnable, don't they? And this maybe is the chance for County to to build a bit of momentum. I think so. Yeah, they've got one win in, in the league so far, and that came against Kilmarnock, a hard fought game in Dingwall, and it, what they do in Dingwall is going to be pivotal this this season. And uh, uh, it's a wee bit unfortunate, maybe they're, they're not playing St Johnston next to it in some regards. I think Motherwell under Stephen Hamill have turned the corner to some extent since he's come in. I think we we've seen them sweep. Uh, Inverness away quite clinically last week as well. Uh, Jamie was at that one, and I, I think they they do have the bit between the their teeth. Motherwell, that they, they really are, are going to drive on it a bit, you know. But there's bit, there was nothing between these sides last season, um, and uh, I think County are playing with a, a fair bit of confidence, belief, and growing knowledge. Um, uh, the, you know the, the 10 players that Malky Mackay has brought in that they've got a good understanding and as Malky spoke about after the, the Aberdeen game the, the guys that have come in uh, all saw the success story you know of Reagan Charles Cook and Hungbo last season and, and they want to create their own bit of history here at Ross County and try and drive County up to those uh, you know where they were the 6th best team in the country last season and not far off qualifying for Europe uh, he wants his players to arrive and believe that they, they can be on this stage in the Premiership and, and compete with the likes of Motherwell and St Johnston um, you know St Johnston got an unexpected win last week against St Mirren so uh, you know Callum Davidson's uh, kind of brought in key players but uh, you know the full focus is on, on Motherwell and a, a bit of a blow yesterday um, for Ross County with George Harmon um, been ruled out for 10 weeks with a hamstring injury I've seen bits and pieces of George, uh, he, he was initially taken in, you know, in fullback role, um, but he's been playing more in, in midfield, and he uh, looked good against Celtic in the, the Premier Sports Cup tie last week, and then he went off at half time, uh, and that's where he sustained his injury. So um, he's he's out for a long spell, but they do have options all over the park, and that's going to be crucial to the Staggies this season. Yeah, hopefully we're not sitting here next week talking about how Kevin Van Veen done all this in the game, scored all these goals uh, like we usually are after Motherwell play Aberdeen. Anyway, let's have a short break and after that we'll come back and we'll speak about Inverness. Okay, Chalky, so I've, I've written down it was a reasonably unexpected win um, over a race for Cali Thistle. I think more, you know, the fact that it seemed to be reasonably comfortable uh, Inverness had had quite a difficult period before that I mean it did sound like they had to kind of battle for the win as well in terms of getting over the line though yeah they, they dug deep for this one but I think uh, what I would say is stats wise it's it keeps continuing to, to rack up this uh, league record that Cali will have over Wraith so I think if you're in a bad run look to play Wraith Rovers next it's 22 league matches in 22 years since Cali Thistle last lost a, a league game against Rovers so uh, it was the ideal fixture in, in that regard but um, speaking to Zach Delaney the defender that was played out and left I, I think he came on um, as a sub against uh, Motherwell and went in, in, into that role in, in the left side of the pitch he's been playing kind of centre half but it was it's the favoured pairing and the strongest pairing of Dees and Devine uh, centre half and Delaney went out left uh, which allowed Cameron Harper to, to push on further up the park and he said it really was uh, you know Cali Thistle let's be honest get a fair bit of criticism on the back of uh, defeats against Partick Thistle um, and Morton and then the, the way they they were taken apart by, by Motherwell especially the first half so uh, you know Billy Dawes and his players have had a fair bit of criticism and they needed to, to respond to it and that meant 
as Zach said, really just digging deep and riding out the storm because you knew Wraith Rovers were going to come at them, especially that first half. And uh, it was a matter of getting in at half time, you know, with the scoreline level. And uh, and then from that point, Daniel Mackay on loan from Hibs, who we've seen in, in flashes what he's capable of this, this season on loan for the whole campaign back at Inverness. Uh, and he uh, took the game by the scruff of the neck, won the penalty. Uh, which was slotted away by, by Scott Allardyce, another big performer that, uh, in, at championship level for me, one of the best before injury uh, struck last season. And then Billy Mackay steps off the bench and uh, again, it's a great run from Daniel Mackay that, that he played the ball over to Billy late on in the game and, and wrapped it up a comfortable 2-1, uh, 2-0 win. And it pushes them up to fifth in the table when they were eighth before a ball was kicked and what had been a bad run now gives them an opportunity. You know, this this weekend get in against Hamilton, and uh, you know you win that before you've got two very tough away games. Um, you know you're going to find yourself in the top four before you hit the road. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way I looked at it was that if if they beat Hamilton this weekend, sets them up nicely for Dundee next weekend. Dundee are obviously in that one of those top spots at the moment. It's a chance to reel them in, and you know perhaps push themselves up into the, the mix, the playoff mix as things stand at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, Duddy play Cove this week as well, so I think Cali Thistle will be watching with interest in that. I watched the Dundee game down at Air where Dundee took the lead and everything looked rosy in the garden down at Somerset Park and then Air took them apart 3-1, three, three, you know, Air have been the surprise package so far, so uh, I've yet to be convinced by Dundee I think they, they might you know, find the the trip to Cove uh, a tricky one this week. But um, you know, I think if, if you're right, Ryan, in that if if Cali Thistle can go over the line against Hamilton, who you know they they did pretty well under John Rankin. They've I think they've only lost two of the ten games, although they've only won three at the same time. So um, you know, a, a win by any manner of means get the three points, and then then they've got the back to back away games against Dundee and Air. Uh, where, as I say, I, I really think it's an opportunity for Inverness if they can win this one to travel to Dundee with confidence. And if you come away with say four points over the next fortnight, yeah, you're not you're not bad set up. I would say after you know the disappointment of those three defeats, including the the cup defeat at Motherwell. I think we should mark the occasion of Billy Mackay moving clear in second place uh, in terms of Cali Thistle's all-time top goalscorer chart. You've been writing about it for long enough. This coming moment. Chalky is now there on 84. Do you think you'll get to the all-time record of 102? Aye, you know, 101 is the magic number. Dennis Wynas, uh, 101 in 243. So as you say, 102 is the target to go outright. Uh, he took over from Barry Wilson, the, the current first-team coach, um, who was on 83 goals. So, yeah, I spoke to Stephen Hislop this week, who, um, you know played alongside Dennis so he knows exactly what Dennis is capable of he sees enough of Billy Mackay as well to know um, what he's like his lip himself was not a bad scorer in his short time at Inverness 16 goals in 59 uh, and he, he thinks Billy can get, get it he scored 15 last season so he thinks maybe to do it this season he's only on three so far might be um, a wee bit much but he thinks over this and next season uh, Billy's got enough class and quality to to uh, take the record on his own right and uh, you know Barry uh, a lot of teasing in the background you know Billy Dodds has been saying he's he never stops hearing from Barry talking about the number of goals he scored so I think uh, there's a wee bit of satisfaction uh, 
from uh, Billy that uh, Billy Dodds that Billy McKay's taking over. But Barry is genuinely delighted that that's what he wants. He wants the strikers to be scoring goals because if Billy is hitting double figures again, it can reach 15 for the season. And Inverness are not going to be far away from winning this title. Elsewhere in the Championship, Jamie Cove, they got a point on the board at the weekend against Hamilton behind twice two subs coming on and scoring I'm sure Jamie Marston and Leighton McIntosh might be thinking why am I not starting next week if they don't start but I mean it's got to go down as a good point for Cove doesn't it? Yeah I think the the performances have kind of since that air game the performances have maybe kind of steadily improved um, they were better against Queen's Park and then they were better again last week and we're probably unlucky not to take something something more out of the game um, with regards to the goals, they kind of the substitutes came on and did exactly what you would hope they would do. Um, Jimmy Masson's goal is a spectacular one, and as Jim McIntyre said afterwards, it's something he doesn't train in regularly, but it's getting out of him more often. I think he'd had he'd been on the pitch thirty one seconds, I think it was clocked at, and he'd had three touches of the ball before he stuck it in the top corner. So it's about as uh, about as good an impact as you can hope to make from a from a substitute's perspective. Um, and with regards to, to Leighton McIntosh, we spoke to him after the game and he was saying himself that, obviously he's happy with the goal, but he's not happy at the the amount of game time he's been getting because he came off the bench against Queen's Park and scored um, in, in the 2-1 defeat. And he came off the bench last week um, and did the business again. And Jim said himself that Leighton could count himself unlucky that he wasn't involved from the start. Um whether he gets the nod this week or not against Dundee, one of his former clubs, um, I'm not sure. But he's certainly he's certainly proven that he can make an impact at, at this level. Um, he has been used out wide a lot under Paul Hartley and maybe didn't find a role for him last season when they changed to a wing-back system. But Jim McIntyre likes his wingers. He likes them to stay high and wide up the pitch. Is there a role there for, for Leighton? Um, you, certainly, you certainly could see it. Big crowd on Friday in front of the TV cameras, do we think? I would, I would think so. I think Dundee will bring a, a good number up the roads. Um, it's a TV game. It's the first televised league game in, in Cove's history. Um, I'd like to think there'll be a sizable number there to, to back them. It will be it'll be some kind of platform for them if they were able to get their first, well, the first win in five, I think it is, um, on, on Friday night. Dundee are probably the favourites for the championship title this season, you would think. Um, so there'd be no kind of no greater kind of benchmark for Cove if they were able to pull out a result at home. Their pitch has been their fortress over the last three years since they've been in the SPFL. Um, they won the opening game of the season against Wraith there. And you you think if, if Cove are going to start building momentum and moving up the table, that the Balmoral Stadium is going to have to be a place where they pick up points regularly because scenarios and situations are going to be different on the road and particularly coming up to the winter time pitches are going to deteriorate in quality um and it's going to be it's going to be less uh, less and less attractive to, to try and go to places and pick up points whereas cove cove know their kind of their home surface in and inside and out having kind of playing and, and trained on there for the last four years so who knows if they're going to get something from friday night's game but You'd say there's been steady improvements over the last couple of weeks, and who knows? Maybe the buzz of a TV game and, and a sizable crowd gives them a little bit of a, a lift against Dundee. They've uh, added Max Johnson in recent days from Motherwell. Cover for the right side of defence. Are we thinking cover? Cover for Shea Logan? 
Yeah, I think it, they did need some some extra extra cover at the back because uh, I think they maybe only had f- five five defenders, um, and they had been without Evan Towler recently. So Connor Scully's been playing in it in at left back, um, and Morgan Morgan Neal, Scott Ross, and Mark Reynolds are the only kind of three. They're the three centre halves, and then Shea Logan's maybe only the the only right back you've got at the minute. Although Scott Ross could cover there, and Blair Ewell's been out injured, so. I think it's they did need some some other options at the back. So we'll have, I can't say I've seen Max Johnston much. I know he was out on loan at I think it was Queen of the South last season. So I'm not sure I'm not sure kind of what he brings as a player, but he's obviously been identified by by Cove and, and Jim McIntyre as someone who can come in and help the group that they've got. And it it's another body pushing for places. So that can't be a that can't be a bad thing. Might get to see him on Friday, who knows? Anyway, after this break, we will discuss the contrasting fortunes of Peterhead and Elgin, and that'll wrap us up for this week. Right then, Peterhead, 2 0 loss against Montrose. They're sitting dead last in League One. Go to FC Edinburgh, formerly known as Edinburgh City. This weekend looks like a challenging game. Edinburgh right up near the top of the division. Uh, Peterhead in a four-game losing streak as things stand. Uh, will they pull off the unlikely victory, Jamie? It needs to start somewhere, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> they're not uh, they're not short of uh, misfortune or uh, bad luck at the minute. Um, it's it, it has been hard to see where the positives have been coming from from Peterhead. Like not only have they been struggling to get results, they've also been trying to bed in so many new players. It's it's been difficult for them to really get get going at all this season. You'd thought maybe when Montrose went down to 10 men last weekend with uh, old Peterhead favourite Rory McAllister getting sent off, that it might it might be the the kind of the turn of fortune that they needed, but ultimately it didn't materialise. So again, it just keeps kind of rolling on. And say the longer the longer it lasts without kind of getting the, that first win on the board, then the more they risk being cut adrift at the bottom. And that's not, that's not what they want. Um, they have shown in the past that they're capable of getting results against the the bigger teams or the informed teams. So you can't you can't ever rule Peter Head out of of kind of picking up points against these sides. But they've also taken some heavy defeats in in recent weeks as well. So when confidence is is low, um, and as Jim Jim McAnally has said, like it only takes one goal, and then heads can heads can drop straight away when when things aren't going your way. All it takes is one goal, and then that already fragile confidence takes another hit. So they do need, they need something to go their way. They need a result, whether it be a fluke, whether it be sweeping somebody aside, they need something to, to cling on to and something to give them a little bit of a, a lift because I can imagine it's difficult, um, particularly when there's a squad full of younger players, it can be difficult coming into training every week, trying to build towards a weekend and then not getting any rewards out of it. It's, Imagine the motivation. The motivation could be damaged in that respect. But it's up to it's up to Jim. It's up to the coaching staff. It's up to the senior players to to keep lifting these younger lads and keep keep kind of encouraging them to to play their own game. And because that's I think that's the only way that Peter Head are going to try are going to get out of this situation. They're not going to do it by kind of wallowing or by kind of feeling sorry for themselves. There's going to have to be. Um, there's going to have to be a confidence, maybe even like an arrogance that they are good enough to get out of this this mess that they're in. And so, like I've said with with 
kind of Hamil- uh, with Cove as well. It's like these kind of runs have to start somewhere. So why not? Why not do it against um, one of the informed ta- one in yeah. one of the informed teams in the league? Yeah, if you're at the bottom, I suppose absolutely. So yeah, the underdog going into every game. Uh, Elgin City then Chalky first league win the season for them, which is a real positive two 0 against Bonnie Rig Rose. Brian Cameron and Kane Hester with the goals. The landed Ross Draper on a permanent on Saturday. Um, all looking up for Elgin. Yeah, that was an excellent win for them. You know, Bonnie Rig have started their League Two life in League Two very well after coming up from the Lowland League. Um, they were second in the table behind High Flying Dumbarton, the only team other than Celtic, I think, to have won all their games this season. So, um, yeah, it was a great result to win that and get the, the clean sheet. Um, you're right to mention Kane Hester. He's flying already with seven goals in 12 games in all competitions. You know, Elgin have made it through to the third round of the the. Challenge Cup, the SPFL Trust Trophy, where they indeed play Peterhead in a couple of weeks um, away from home. So, uh, in terms of this weekend, Hotel Albion Rovers, uh, another big one. This is a team who historically uh, don't have uh, has very little separating them, and last season was the same again. But Albion are lower than Elgin in the table. They really uh, have to build upon that. Ross Draper has come in, uh, obviously known been a midfielder through much of his career although at Calithus Landross County he did dip into defence and play centre half when when needed I spoke to him at the weekend and he was delighted to get that uh, deal done and sort his future he said there were other options there for him but Elgin was the obvious move for him he was there last season from on loan from Cove played 20 times spoke to Gavin he's 33 years old Ross Draper and he spoke about the the um, uh, you're not getting any younger, 33 years old, and how defence is ideally where he wants to play. Gavin pitched him right in for his permanent uh, debut, if, if you like, against Bonnie Rigg, and that's where he played. That, you know, Elgin are, are not shy of defenders, so what he did is he pushed uh, Daryl McHardy out into the left side of uh, midfield, and it was Dolzanski and, and Draper that played there. And I think Draper's experience, I think Elgin at times just need that bit of know-how and people would tell it like it is, and I'm sure Ross will, will do that if things are going against the side. A, a, a great way to, to start with, with Draper being back, a 2-0 win, a really, really uh, big performance. Brian Cameron, as you see, he got the goal as well, the opening goal last week. He's going to be another big player. Um, in his testimonial year as well so if they can repeat that kind of performance get another three points against Albion Rovers then they will be there or thereabouts for the, the top four uh, ahead of their trip next weekend to Stenhouse Muir As you said Albion Rovers winnable game perpetual SPFL strugglers Albion Rovers anyway that'll do us for this week's episode of Northern Goal cheers to Paul Jamie and Sean for joining me thank you guys thanks Ryan no, no problem thanks as always, any questions or queries to Northern Goal at dctmedia.co.uk. Like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app and enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this week. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.